This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Have you ever found yourself craving the insights and wisdom of trailblazing female leaders who are reshaping the world as we know it? I sure do. Dawn Andrews brings you the My Good Woman podcast. Grab a seat at the table and enjoy candid conversations with culture-shifting, glass-ceiling-busting, and visionary women leading enterprises that are making a difference. With guests ranging from innovative CEOs to influential activists to groundbreaking artists, My Good Woman dives into what makes these extraordinary women tick, how they accomplish their goals, and delivers actionable strategies for you to apply in your own life and career. If you're listening to this show, you're likely to be inspired and motivated by the conversations on My Good Woman. So go listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and embrace the power of bold female leadership. I think where a lot of my need for doing Chronicon comes from is that this is actually a fixable problem. The fact that I went through so many decades of tremendous physical and emotional suffering because of my health and exacerbated because I felt so deeply alone, that doesn't have to be that way. It is actually a solvable problem. Welcome back to She Pivots the podcast where we talk with women who have dared to pivot out of one career and into something new and explore how their personal lives impacted these decisions. I'm your host, Emily Tish sussman If you don't know Nitika Chopra, it's time. She's a true powerhouse and a source of light for so many. Her work as a chronic illness advocate was born out of her own experience seeing a gap in the chronic illness community. So after nearly a decade in the lifestyle and blogging space, she pivoted to create Chronicon, a conference and community that elevates the visibility of more than the 133 million Americans living with chronic illnesses. Because let's be honest, this population deserves a lot more love and support. 
I've known Nitika since about 2010, and I've continued to be in awe of how much she gives. Living with three chronic illnesses is something I'll never truly understand, but I can see her work in motion. Her mission to, quote, inspire radical self-love has developed into a community of thousands. Every time I talk to Nitika, I feel inspired. I feel motivated. And I just feel her light, including in this conversation. So I hope you enjoy it too. I'm Nitika Chopra, and I'm the founder of Chronicon. So what did little Nitika think that she was going to be when she grew up? I really, really, really wanted to be a singer, especially like a musical theater singer. Little Nitika was just like belting out at the top of her lungs as often as she possibly could. Yeah, I took voice lessons for like 15 years and really, really went for it. But yeah, I I always wanted to be a singer. How did that shape your experience growing up, thinking you were going to be a singer? Oh my gosh. Well, actually, that's a really beautiful question. I think because I loved like the act of singing so much, I would just be sort of loud about it. And like, you know what I mean? Like I wouldn't really think about, oh, what is someone going to think of me? Or like, is this okay? Or whatever. I would just want to sing. So I would just do that all the time. And then I think over time, I got some feedback. (laughs) I got some feedback, especially as like a brown girl, you know, living in a home that was filled with lots of love, but definitely also a lot of rules. It was not so encouraged or people weren't so enthusiastic about my wanting to have the, I guess, the center of attention in those ways, you know? And so, yeah, I I didn't really think of it that way. I just loved singing. But there was this part of it where I would, yeah, go out and just kind of be myself. And then I found that, you know, life can kind of teach you to go in your shell a little bit, I think, over time. And I think that's kind of what happened with me after a while. In fact, Nitika had to learn from a young age how to come out of her shell. She was just 10 when she was first diagnosed with psoriasis. I remember the very moment I was wearing these like jean shorts. I was living in Ohio and um, I was wearing this like blue and white, like checkered sleeveless shirt. And my mom and I were like in the bathroom and I was looking in the mirror and I saw this little spot on my left arm. And I was like, mom, what is that? And she had had eczema before and my dad had too. And it had always been pretty mild. Like they put a little cream on it and it went away. And I think they both grew out of it eventually. So we kind of thought that that's what it would be. And it wouldn't be a big deal. But cut to going to the doctor, them thinking it might be something different. And then I ended up getting a biopsy to confirm it. And we found out that it was a skin condition called psoriasis. And psoriasis is an autoimmune disease. And within probably about a year, I went from having like a dime sized spot on my left arm to basically being covered from the tip of my foot to the tip of my head. It was awful, to be honest with you. I think it's important to be honest about it because my story is not unique, actually. It just doesn't get told very often. So what psoriasis specifically is like, it's basically like having chicken pox all the time. And what my form, because there's a few different types of psoriasis, but what my form of psoriasis is like is I basically got like thick scales of skin on top of my regular skin and they itch constantly. 
And then if I did itch them, they would bleed and they would flake like how dandruff flakes. But that was happening from the tip of my foot to the tip of my head. So I lived like that for the better part of 17 years of my life. I ended up getting psoriatic arthritis when I was 19 as well. And yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, we could have a whole episode of, of how, how painful it was. And I think that's why, like when we started talking, I was like, I feel so emotional because these conversations are so important to me because I know I'm not the only one. And there are hundreds of millions of people out there who are living with a chronic illness, who are living with multiple chronic illnesses. And there's so many people out there who don't even know that what they're experiencing is a chronic illness, which is something that I just, I never even thought about until I started my company because I had gotten my first condition so young. But it's something that I hear a lot where, you know, especially women will come to me and be like, oh, I have PCOS. Is that a chronic illness? And I'm like, yes, it is. The National Health Council says that anything with persistent symptoms for three months or longer is considered a chronic illness. And so that is that is so many things, so many people. And it's not about over-identifying. That's not necessarily what I believe. But I think that there is an opportunity for celebration around the amount of strength and the amount of resourcefulness and the amount of emotional empathy and all of these things that you really have to develop when you are dealing with a chronic condition that I think needs to be talked about more. How do you think that played into the wanting to be a singer? Did you want people to see you on stage just for your voice? Do you think that was part of it? No, you know, the thing is with wanting to be a singer, and I love that we're like talking about this because I never talk about that. I think the thing with that, you know, I'm very spiritual. And so I always felt like I was holding God's hand when I was singing. And it wasn't because I sound like an angel. <laughs> like that's <laughs> not, it wasn't because it was like the most perfect performance or anything. It wasn't actually about that. It was about the fact that I felt like I didn't have to think about any of the other things that were going on in my life. I could just be a musician in that moment. And I could just connect to this like really, I felt really divine part of me that was so much greater than me. So yeah, so I think that it was like always my respite, you know, it just felt like I could just tuck away. And I mean, I was belting show tunes, but still, like, you know, my version of tucking away and feeling like, yeah, it was just like me and my voice. The world didn't give it to me. This joy that I have. The world didn't give it to me. Don't you know that this joy that I have. The world Although it wasn't exactly what she envisioned, Nitika still sings to this day with the Resistance Revival Chorus. The group has performed at the Grammys, Saturday Night Live, and the 46th Presidential Inauguration, and has an album called This Joy. Her dreams of becoming a singer in some ways have come true, but after high school, it was clear that her parents expected her to find a different career path. The daughter of immigrants, Nitika recognized the expectations her parents had for her. 
So you're supposed to be a doctor or a lawyer. And I know so many people say that. And, you know, it's like such a cliche, but it's not even so much that my parents were like, you have to be a doctor or a lawyer. But an artist was definitely not on the table. (laughs) And there is something about being an artist that felt almost like sacrilegious or something. It was like so wrong. And then to be an artist on a stage where people are looking at you almost felt like you were flaunting your body in some sort of really extreme way, which of course was not like anything about, I wanted to sing like Disney princess songs, you know what I mean? But yeah, that was a part of it. And so those shoulds were really about how it looks to others, like making sure that you look a certain way in society. And then obviously like a lot of intensity around making sure you have a certain amount of money and income coming in. And especially like being first generation, um, you know, my parents immigrated from India, like that is so understandable that they would have those concerns and have that be an important part of what they wanted me to focus on. You married so young. What prompted you to marry so young? I was genuinely like madly in love And, you know, he was a little bit older than me. And so it wasn't like I was getting married and we would have like an unstable life or anything like that. You know, he was pretty well established and we had like the best relationship at first, you know, obviously it didn't last to be that way, but at first that's what it was. And yeah. And I just was genuinely so in love. And I was like, this is my person. There was just something I really, really knew he was meant to be my husband. And um, something I talk about a lot is I think that one of the hardest parts of going through a divorce, we got divorced about four years later, is that people, I think, often can feel really betrayed by their intuition and by their gut when they have feelings like that, right? I knew with every fiber of my being, he was meant to be my husband. So for us to not be married anymore was really devastating, obviously, for so many obvious reasons, but then also that part that was like, how could I be so wrong? Like that doesn't make any spiritual sense to me. And it took me a very long time to understand I was not wrong. He was meant to be my husband. The things I learned in our relationship and through that experience, both positive, negative, good, hard, all of that were exactly what I was meant to do. Wow. But it took me a very, very long time. And I think especially when we're talking about pivoting, like it can really feel like your intuition betrayed you or something. That was probably the hardest part of the divorce was like really relearning that when I have that gut feeling, even if it doesn't lead me where I think it's going to lead me, it doesn't mean that I was wrong. Wow. I've really never thought about it that way. And I think that makes so much sense that because you do question yourself. I think we hear people talk about it all the time when they're going through the down part and they're going through the pivot. And in this, in your case, this wasn't even really your pivoting moment. It was just part of the journey. Yeah. And and the thing I want to point to what you just said too, is I think a lot of people talk about it as it relates to like toxic positivity a lot, you know, which is like, everything happens for a reason. And, you know, like whatever, all the other things that people say that make you want to like throw something at them. And I just, that's not what I mean. Right. And so I want to be really clear, like there was tremendous pain and suffering and heartbreak and disappointment in what I went through. And that's happened many times in my life, you know, especially through my health and so many things that I've been through. But with my marriage, 
I think for one, it really did teach me a lot about my value. To be honest, my ex-husband was a wonderful, is a wonderful man. And he really saw me in a way that was incredibly healing for me. I was very different than everyone in my family growing up. And so that was really hard, even though there was a lot of love in my household. And my ex-husband, when we started dating, he was sort of the first person that saw like the woman that you see today. He saw her when I was like 19. And I had no idea that she existed. I didn't know where to look for her. I didn't have any clue about her. And so like seeing yourself through someone's eyes in that way is such a kind, loving, beautiful thing. It's, it's incredibly healing. And I know that him being in my life in that moment allowed me to sort of keep moving forward. It also happened to be one of the most devastating times in my life for my health. It was when I was the sickest I had ever been while we were married. And so there was a big part of me that could have just sort of, I guess, like left it there, just been like, I'm sick. That's it. And he never saw me that way. He never, ever did. And so to have that teacher in your life who loves you so purely and in like your truest essence and for the best parts of you, and of course also loves you through the hardest moments as well, that is so healing and so beautiful. And so I think now, you know, in looking for another partner, I really know like when I fall in love again, it will have to be someone who honors me at that level. And we'll also have like a much healthier relationship in a lot of other ways. Um, you know, it obviously didn't work for reasons, but that piece is so pure and so beautiful. And it did teach me a lot about my value, which I hadn't learned as a kid. Having just graduated college and newly divorced, Nitika saw an opportunity to dive into her calling. Once I got divorced and, you know, found a treatment that worked in all these different things, I kind of felt like I wanted to take my experience with my health and figure out a way how to help people. That was always my thing. So I decided to start my own online magazine. I basically built my online magazine to be like, someone one day will see all the elements of the website and like want to make it a show. And that's essentially what happened. I ended up meeting the founder of the skincare company Fresh, Lev Glasman, and we became good friends. And yeah, we were literally like out one night and he was talking about going to QVC and just like his hectic schedule. And I was like, you should just hire me to do it. And he was like, well, that's a great idea. It was a really a beautiful marriage of talking about my skin journey and also like how skincare can be a really beautiful access point to self-love. And I had always felt really left out of the skincare conversation because it was always just like a means to an end for me. It wasn't like a very nurturing experience while I was dealing with my skin. So yeah, it just felt like a really natural progression, I guess. Nitika Chopra's here. Nitika, We were talking before about Mm -hmm. right when 2530 hit, we were like, where is the (laughs) anti-aging stuff? That they can feel truly loved. Today, love is in the air because this is our wedding show. From flawless hair and makeup tips to the perfect gown and DIY decor that won't break the bank, we've got everything you need for the most beautiful wedding day. Naturally Beautiful starts right now. I was on a South Asian television network called Z Living. For those out there who are listening who are brown, it's like ZTV is always on the background, in the background. 
it's just always on like in my grandparents' place, my parents' place. It was a show called Naturally Beautiful. And yeah, it was great. The day that I auditioned for the show, I was going through a really bad flare. So my psoriasis was all over. And this is a show called Naturally Beautiful. Okay. And I'm coming in there with like flaky as flaky skin, uh, red spots everywhere. And I'm just like, hi guys. Yeah. Don't worry about it. It's going to be fine. <laughs> like just trying to not even trying, just really committed to like, I was born for the show and you're going to hire me like that kind of energy. I ended up getting the job because I was right for the job, even though I had all this stuff happening with my skin. And I ended up trying a new treatment that like helped me so that I could get clearer skin by the time we started filming. But it was actually, I'm super proud of the fact that like, even though I had all that going on with my health, that they still saw that I was the right person for it, you know? And I think it's just like good to remember that. Like when you're meant for something, it'll happen. You were like an influencer before there were influencers. I guess so. How did you navigate this space I mean, I kind of cringe at the word influencer because I just feel like it's it has a lot of, you know, negative connotations now. But I would say when I first was starting, you know, my company and doing the QVC thing and I would do a lot of events, that was like always something that I did. I guess that was like my version of influencing because I would have a bunch of brands that would come on board. I would have a bunch of speakers who like are amazing people that I thought were awesome. And I thought people needed to know. And I would do these events, you know, in New York City. And oh my God, I would hustle. Okay. I would try to get as much stuff as I could for free. I would like barter, partner, like doing so many things brick by brick. This was never, ever anything that's been like funded in some fancy way or like any of that. And yeah, I guess that was my version of influencing where I felt like, you know, you should come to this thing that I'm doing because I'm going to introduce you to all these really amazing people and brands. And that was like really pure. It wasn't about like some hierarchy. It was really about this is like from my heart and this is what I love. And if you like want to get connected to that, great. If you want to just come in and like enjoy yourself, that's great too, you know? But now it's become this like competition. How many whatevers can you get? And you're not good enough if you don't get a certain amount and all these things that I'm sure people are aware of. And it just doesn't feel pure to me. For nearly 10 years, Nitika had been expanding her network and working in the lifestyle and blog space. But still, it was a constant uphill battle. When she started to think about pivoting and launching Chronicon, it was a combination of passion and need. Okay, so professionally, I was not in a great place. I mean, we talked about, you know, oh my God, I have this talk show, I was on KBC, everything's going great. Yeah, well, let me just tell you, 2016 and 2017, and even like the beginning of 2018, was just not, not it. It was just really hard. I think what had happened, now looking back, I can see this, but I didn't know this at the time. It was just like very dark. I had spent the first part of my career doing these conversations around beauty and lifestyle. And I really genuinely loved the conversations I was having. But I wasn't talking to the person that I was born to talk to, right? And I didn't even know that I could talk to that person. There were so many things I didn't understand. And so I feel like the universe, God, whatever, or things were just perfectly timed where stuff just really didn't work for those two plus years. And what I mean by that was I was doing like those events or those like partnerships or media things or whatever, like that were coming very easily in some ways. Initially, they just stopped 
in a major, major way. And whenever I would go to a brand or a company that I had a great relationship with and I would say, hey, like, I'm finding this is happening a lot. Do you have any advice for me? Is there something that I'm missing? I love getting that kind of feedback, especially when you know it's like someone who really wants you to win. And you know what I mean? Like, that's such a really wonderful gift you can give someone to let them know, like, this is what I see that you might not be noticing. But everyone came back to me and was just like, the market is just what it is, or the political scene is so intense right now. People feel like there's so much unrest and so much uncertainty. We're cutting back on marketing budgets, like things like that were coming up. And I'm sure a lot of people are probably hearing that right now because there's like another cycle of that, right? So it just kind of stopped and it made me have to really reevaluate. It made me have to really ask, is this what you want to keep doing? And I think the best thing that I did was the year before I started Chronicon, I did this exercise where because I felt so lost, every time I would meet someone or do a talk or an interview, I would say that I did something different each time. And what I mean by that is I wouldn't lie, but I would um, I would sort of try on different parts of the things that I did. So like, With you, I might say, I'm a talk show host. And then I'd go to an event and I'd say, oh, I'm a chronic illness advocate. And then with someone else, I'd say, oh, I'm a blogger or whatever, right? So it's all true, but it was just different aspects of what I was doing. And every time I said that I was a chronic illness advocate, I had the most meaningful, important, and just the most moving connections with people. And I had never experienced that in my entire career. It was something that was so, so new. And it was like the thing I was looking for. It was why I wanted to do this in the first place. I never wanted to have a talk show because I just like wanted to look cute in outfits all the time. I mean, that's fun. But I really wanted to like talk to the person on the other side of the screen and see if I could help them. Right. Right. So that's that's what I was having in my career. It was totally in the toilet. So during this time, (laughs) during this time, as you were figuring it out, how were you floating it financially? Oh gosh, that was also a hot mess express. Let me tell you. I mean, I was basically, I started doing some consulting. So I do some like marketing consulting. I ended up consulting for a real estate app that was coming out. But a lot of the time I was really, really, really struggling financially. And yeah, I didn't have some like fancy investor being like, we will give you three bajillion dollars to build the next WeWork or something, for instance. (laughs) I didn't have that. And then I would do my, I called them self-love celebrations, those events I was mentioning. I would do those sometimes. I could only do a, a couple a year to have them make sense, but that would also help with some like financial, you know, support and stuff like that. I would make some good money doing those. But yeah, I I really felt like, you know, I was hanging on. I was just hanging on. Where were you when you'd made the decision to start Chronicon? Oh, it's one of my favorite stories because it's the love of my life. <laughs> um But yeah, I was actually walking around CurvyCon. And that was a conference that was for, you know, mostly curvy women. And it was here in New York City. And I was walking around the event and I had this experience where I was like, oh my gosh, these brands and these people who are here, they are here to celebrate the curvy woman not there, there were no brands in sight that were like, here's how you not be curvy or here's how you look smaller. It was like, come over here with your waist and thighs exactly how they are. And let me put something on you that is going to make you glow like the queen that you are. Right. (laughs) 
And I was walking around and I was just like, oh my gosh, if I, as a psoriasis covered kid had gone to an event that had said, come over here with your flaky skin, I'm going to put the best makeup on you and you are going to glow like the queen you are, or I'm going to give you a pedicure, even though it's like getting a pedicure was always really something I was really self-conscious of as a kid because of my skin. These small things that people don't think about necessarily, unless you've had to experience something like that. And I was like, if I had had a place to go where they celebrated me, oh my God, I would have changed my whole life. Mm. It would have changed everything about the way that I felt about myself, the way I interacted with people, so many different things. And I started walking around the event and I was like, well, what would that be called? I literally was just like having this spiritual experience while I was walking around the event. And I thought I kept saying different names. And then I was like, Chronicon? I have to be honest, I was terrified for like the first six months that I thought of the idea. I barely told anyone. I told like one person who worked at a company that ended up being like my main partner for the event that year, the first year. I told one person and like some close friends I started to kind of talk about it with. But I was really afraid because kind of like why I was so emotional when I got here. Like it felt like such a big responsibility and not that I need to take it all on myself or anything like that, or even that I would be so arrogant to think that I am, but even just to try, you know, and to try to unite this population who's so often just like completely forgotten and learning that there are 133 million Americans living with a chronic illness that we know of. I was like, what? What? I'm sorry. How is this population so huge? And how come every time I talk to someone else who's chronically ill, we all feel like we are the only people. So there was just all of this emotion coming up for me around it. And I was like, I don't know. I bootstrapping everything. I am like doing this one crusty brick at a time. Did you get investors for Chronicon or was it profitable? So we did not. I did a small friends and family round after the first year. We basically like kind of broke even the first year, which like I wasn't happy with, to be honest with you. And then we did a small friends and family round and then the pandemic happened. Had you found community before this, before Chronicon? Well, I had tried. And this is part of why I do things the way I do with Chronicon, because there are lots of support groups out there for those who are living with chronic conditions. And I'm sure that there are some that are wonderful, but the ones that I had tried specifically for my conditions, they were kind of awful. And I've heard that from a lot of people, you know, it, it tends to be a place where, first of all, the chronic illness club is not a club that any of us want to be a part of. So it's like, okay, we're all here. Okay, now what? And, you know, it kind of was this experience of like going to Facebook group or whatever, and just having a lot of trauma dumping, a lot of anxiety. People would just talk about like their worst experiences or their biggest fears. And, and I get it. Like we, I have those fears too, right? So it's not that that's wrong. It's just that I'm already sick. I don't really need you to remind me of that, right? And so there's this nuance and this kind of fine line that I've been working on, even with what I'm building with Chronicon of like, how do we talk to this population very specifically? Because they are the ones that we want to shine a light on without over identifying and over focusing on our conditions and our illnesses all the time. It's like, it's a very, very fine line. And it's something I'm working on, honestly, every day. And I think we do a pretty good job of it. But yeah, in other communities, I really hadn't ever found another community that I could go to that I felt like resonated with my health. In the midst of building Chronicon and struggling financially, 
Nitika still found ways to give to others. It was 2018 and I was at the beginning of my pivot, the realization that my former self and career couldn't be what I wanted it to be. And even though she was in one of the hardest times of her life, she did what she was called to do and she reached out and offered support. So we're part of this same group that we've been a part of for more than 10 years now, which is wild. People in, in a variety of industries across the board. And I was going through at that time, the hardest thing I'd ever been through. And I just felt so alone. And I felt like nobody who knew me really knew me. Nobody could help. Nobody could support me basically in that moment. I'm going to (laughs) cry. No, I'm going to cry. Because you sent a note out to the group and you said, for anybody who needs love and support right now, I'm here for you. And I'd never texted you before. I'd never called you before. And I texted you and I said, Nitika, I don't really know you that well, but we're in this group. I need love and support now. And you wrote back to me and you said... I know that you're a good person and I know that you have light and we'll make it through. And that meant so much to me. I, like, I remember the moment, like I remember feeling like I barely knew you, but you were the only person who saw that there was good and light in me. So for me to hear you say that that was a dark time for you is shocking to me. And it makes me admire you so much that it was a hard time for you and that your response was to go out to this group of people, some who you knew, some who you didn't know that well, and just say, I'm here to be your light. And that just meant so much to me. You're going to make me cry again. <laughs> like again, because I've already cried once. Oh my gosh, Emily. You know, that's a practice though. When we are going through that darkness It is a practice to focus on others. We all have that light within us. And let let me tell you, there are times when you're going through the darkness that you need to just triage and take care of yourself. So I'm not saying that, right? But there is also this moment I find for myself where I could really wallow. And it's it's fair. It's honestly, it's justified a lot of the time. And, And people probably would look at me wallowing and be like, yeah, well, that was a crap hand. So like, I totally get it, right? But I don't feel good when I do it, you know, and my health suffers as a result. My mental health really suffers as a result. So I've made it a practice to focus on others. I mean, Mother Teresa talks about that. You know, I mean, she has like a famous quote. I'm forgetting it in this moment. But like when you feel helpless, help someone. That's what it is. And so I make that a practice because I honestly, I see God in people the most. I see. And that's light, right? Like whatever you want to call it. It's not a religious thing for me. I had felt really, really, really clear, very young when I was probably about 15 that I had gotten like a very, very clear message that like this, everything that was happening to me was not happening because I was meant to suffer. And I didn't understand that message at the time. I knew it was true, but it's not like I knew what that would look like in life. But it was an anchor for me. Every time I wanted to give up, I would remember hearing that message and being like, okay, I'm not going to give up. This is going to be worth it for some, some reason to be able to help people someday. But I've had to focus on the light and something greater than my own suffering in order to get out of my suffering. So it's a privilege to do that in that moment. Yeah. And thank you for sharing that with me. Do you think that's part of what drove you into Chronicon? Like, was it in that moment that you were like, I just need to find, find the people to help? 
Yeah, I think in that moment, I think where where a lot of my need for doing Chronicon comes from is that this is actually a fixable problem. The fact that I went through so many decades of tremendous physical and emotional suffering because of my health and exacerbated because I felt so deeply alone, that doesn't have to be that way. It is actually a solvable problem. So I think that's a lot of where my drive comes from of like, if I can help even one person or hopefully lots of people to know that they are not alone in their struggles, that those moments when they're like having an endometriosis flare and they are in severe pain and they feel like they can't even get one email out that they have to do for work, or they're going to a doctor and they're getting another MRI or another biopsy. And they are like, why me? Why am I the only one? Even what you were saying, even though it wasn't a physical challenge, like that feeling of no one really gets what I'm going through, like that compounds so much. It's already hard to go to the doctor and get a biopsy or get an MRI or get a blood test or whatever, right? Or have to have a hysterectomy because you have adenomyosis or whatever it might be. That's already really brutal. I'm not going to say that I can take any of that away because I can't. I'm not a doctor. But this issue where we then also have to do it in silence alone in our homes, even sometimes with our partner right next to us who doesn't have the same condition, who tries to be there for us, but just couldn't possibly get what we're going through because they just don't know. That is a fixable problem. That does not have to be the case. And I do think that if we start to really shine a light again on celebrating how much we are able to do and how much we are just freaking warriors in the things that we do every single day. If people only knew the stuff that chronically ill folks have to do on a second to second basis, it is just wild. I think the more that we can celebrate that and shine a light on it, I really do think that inherently that is healing. And maybe not in the end result way that people typically talk about healing, like I'm going to fix your psoriasis or something, but in a deeper cellular, spiritual, emotional way that I think is really important. I'm the founder of Chronicon. And what I hope that we do with Chronicon is help people feel less alone. And today is for you. It's just... It's a dream come true to be here with all of you. I'm actually very honored to be here. Nitika has done a wonderful job at bringing this together and also so with actually Helpline. thrilled to be here. Um, guys, we just need to take a second and talk about the fact that my friend Nitika has spent a year at least putting this amazing event together and I have not stopped hearing about it <laughs> for 365 days. She has it. But I'm so proud of you. It's the most amazing thing. Through Chronicon, Nitika has created a space that allows people to do what's best for them. She uses Chronicon's core values to advance this message, integrity, inclusion, and inspiration. So what we do and what I'm really passionate about is really that specific thing, right? And I see this in people who are members of our community and who I interact with every day. They now know through content and conversations and events and all these things that they get to go out and have dates. 
They get to go out and, you know, quit their job that has toxic hours and actually follow their dreams so that they can have the hours that suit their needs. They get to go out and maybe start a workout routine that makes them feel empowered and isn't about something oppressive, but actually is something that they can do while they're still living with MS. You know, whatever it is, it's not about we're going to fix it all. It's about empowering the person to know they have dignity and they are worth so much, even though there's so many systems, countless systems trying to tell them that they're not. And the thing that I've noticed in my work is that it's a lot of, a lot of what happens because of the cycle that I just explained, right? Of real deep loneliness and separation and isolation. We start to really believe that we aren't allowed the things that we really want because we are sort of taken out of the equation in a lot of ways. And That has been probably the most transformative thing for me to know that even when I was mostly bedridden, I could barely walk for the first half of my 20s because of my psoriatic arthritis. And I was told that I would be completely immobile by the time I was 30 if I hadn't started a medication that I needed. And basically, I had to fight for my right to dream during that time right? Because it would have been so easy for me to lay in bed in pain and assume that I didn't have any other value, but the pain that I was feeling in that moment. It would have been totally understandable. As a mom myself, I sometimes feel siloed into this label of having kids, but at the same time, I love being a mom. Just like I couldn't imagine my life with kids, now I can't imagine it without them. So when I was talking to Nitika, I wanted to understand her perspective as one of the growing number of women who have made the decision not to have kids. I actually love talking about not having children. I think it's really important. And I think, you know, especially as a woman of color, as a brown woman, we are definitely told, you know, the shoulds from a very, very, very young age. And I think that there aren't a lot of women, um, especially South Asian women that I've seen that talk about not having kids. I honestly went through like a nine year journey of trying to figure out if I was going to have kids or not, if I even wanted to. And to be honest with you, I think I probably knew deep down all along that I didn't want to have kids, but I really questioned what does that mean about me as a woman? What does that mean about my worth? And like, also, how do I fit into society? What do my relationships look like, even with other women and friends, if I am not a mom? And that's something I'm still like always kind of unraveling and, you know, figuring out. But yeah, I decided not to have kids and I've been really vocal about it because I think it's really important. You've been very open as well about the fact that you are still living with now not two, but three chronic illnesses. And so that affects your physicality. You are now a founder, a CEO. What tools have you figured out to implement to help you get through to navigate all of this work with the physicalities that you're dealing with? So last year, I was diagnosed with the third chronic illness, um, a rare neuromuscular disease. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is I am very communicative about my needs and my boundaries. So when I have to meet someone like coming to the studio today, it was like such a joy. And I also like told my team, like, I will not be available because I will be getting Zen and like making sure I have had enough protein and like things like that in order to, you know, show up as my best self when I go places. And then, yeah, I think the biggest thing also was like, I started my entrepreneurial journey because I had tried to do things that were in like the typical workforce 
and just noticed that like my energy levels really vary depending on how I feel on a certain day. I work really, really hard, but that might mean that I work all day Sunday, but Tuesday I was having a flare and I couldn't. So I think that's kind of something that I've learned to just be okay with and also trust myself and those rhythms. And then, yeah, I'm a big like, here's my Calendly link. This is the time that I have available. And I don't really have any other time because I know that I'm probably going to have to be like dealing with health stuff or just like need a lot of introverted me time too. I'm really struggling with this, by the way. Oh, I'm like really going to, yeah, I'm really struggling with what this. What are you struggling with? with? Well, I don't have chronic illness, but the physical toll that having three young kids who are very attached to me is taking on me is... I just couldn't have anticipated it, but I'm really struggling with the energy right now, like the time commitment and the energy. Like I'm back to work, you know, like I'm back to doing it, but it's really burning me out. And then when I go home, I'm like 10 times worse for my kids. I'm really struggling with this and and trying to figure out, like, I know the only way that I can create opportunities is to like throw myself at things. So I'm hesitant to say no to opportunities. So that's all of the background of where this question is coming from. Like, if these are the only times you have, if this is the only bandwidth that you have, do you feel like you're missing opportunities? Yes and no. For the most part, I love saying no. Because you know what, Emily, and maybe there's your version of this, but I know if I said yes to a brand instead of saying no when I needed to, that means I'm going to say no to myself. Okay, let me say that one more time. So if I say yes to you, insert whatever here, and I don't actually want to say yes, and I don't actually have the bandwidth to say yes, I am inherently saying no to myself. It is hard for, especially for women, we're trying to do so many things and like we, we want so much and, you know, and it's all really beautiful and it's like for good reason and all of that. But I think um, we have to kind of be our own our own keeper in that way. What is something in your life that at the time you felt like was such a low and now in retrospect really launched you to the place you are now? There's been so many, so many lows, (laughs) so many lows. The first thing that comes up for me that I've been thinking about a lot actually was when I was younger, especially in my like 19, 20 year old time, I would be judged for how I looked a lot because I was covered with these scales. But yeah, when I was in middle school, I mean, I was called every name. I was teased. And it was also because I was brown. I was like, the body hair was like next level, you know? And like my parents, I mean, my mom, you know, she went to like an all girls school in like the middle of India. She was like, you can't shave and like all these things that like American kids do, you know, when I was like 10. And so, yeah, there was just a lot of things that I had to really understand and go through, you know, as a kid. And I didn't understand them, actually. It taught me so much during that time because after I got better, I also was judged for how I looked, but in a very different way, right? people found me to be quote unquote acceptable. And that was one of the greatest spiritual lessons I have ever learned in my life. Seeing the difference of how people treated me and knowing that I was the exact same person on the inside the entire time. And I think what that you know has done for me today is I think in shaping the way that I want my career to go to, I think it's just made me less and less and less interested 
about things that have to do with like the visual aspect of who I am as a person. Being able to be in front of people and talk to people is great, but I don't really want to have a career that's focused on you have to look a certain way in order to actually make a difference. And honestly, like that's why I love Chronicon so much because even when I was going through like really, really hard stuff with my diagnosis last year and I didn't know what was going on and all these different things, I could show up being exactly who I am in the one of the worst situations of you know my life. And um, yeah, I don't know. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's yeah. what came up for me is like just this shedding and like remembering that it's just not, it can't be about that. I literally look different every single day. Yeah. And I think as women, we do, especially like when women are pregnant or I've been on a lot of medication. So now I look different than I did last year. And it just can't be about that. Totally. I mean, I went through something very similar that I gained 80 pounds with my first pregnancy, then more weight with the second one. And I was on TV the entire time. And I felt like the way that I that I moved through the world, people treated me differently. Yeah, I totally get that. But I think the thing that's been interesting for me around, you know, my body changing, like in a way that other people can see, because like, I gained like 30 pounds last year, because I'm, I had to take all this medication, you know, and it's been like this really big understanding around like a lack of control, mm-hmm. you know, and it's also like had me deepen that practice of like, yeah, that's right. You can't control like really anything. And so, okay, focus on the things that you can. And I can, I can show up. I can like create this content or this conference or whatever it might be. I can put my heart into things, right? But yeah, I can't change if like I lose my hair or like I, you know, like gain weight or get psoriasis scales or whatever. And I just think it's like really been a toxic kind of pattern that a lot of people have been kind of thrust into in our society. I'm just like very tired of it. So what do people need to know about Chronicon in person? Yeah, so it's happening May 19th in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. And it is going to be so beautiful because that's like such an important aspect of Chronicon that like so many conversations around health are sterile and just like not personal. This is warm and colorful and kind and try to be very, very thoughtful about everything that I possibly can be. Yeah, it's a day long conference. And basically, we have live stream tickets available. So that's really great. If you, you know, can't get out of bed, if you like can't travel because of, you know, your immune system, or even whatever it might be, we have um, live streaming available. We also have scholarships available, which is like one of the things I'm super, super passionate about, just making sure that it's as accessible as possible. And I give a scholarship to anyone basically who fills out the scholarship form. Um, so it's really, really, really important to me that if you want to be a part of what we're doing, that you find a place with us. And then, yeah, we also have our our community app. So it kind of all goes together. And yeah, I just, I can't, I can't wait. And I'm so honored. And we have some amazing speakers that are coming for the in-person Chronicon, like Dr. Darian Sutton, who started TikTok med school, who's amazing. And also Mira Mariah, who like is a disability advocate and also Ariana Grande's tattoo artist, you know, like Stacey London, our dear friend. She's been one of my biggest supporters since I started Chronicon, since before I even started it. She was actually the last person I told because her opinion meant so much to me. And I was so afraid that she was going to be like, this is a horrible idea. So I waited to the end. And she has been so supportive. And yeah, the whole the whole list is on our website. It's going to be really great. 
Thank you so much. I feel like we've covered so much. Yeah. Can I give you a hug? Okay. okay thank you. Bye, everyone. Love you all. Nitika still lives in New York City and is continuing to work as a chronic illness advocate. She's a fellow podcaster and hosts the amazing podcast Thriving Together and is working hard on this year's Chronicon convention. It's happening May 19th in New York. So if you or someone you know would like to attend, you can find tickets and more information about the event at www.chronicon.co.com. You can also find Nitika on Instagram at Nitika Chopra and find all things Chronicon at Chronicon Official. She Pivots is an amazing community of women who understand that personal is the professional. Join the community on Instagram at She Pivots the Podcast. A special thank you to our partner, Marie Claire, and the team that made this episode possible. Talk to you next week. She Pivots is hosted by me, Emily Tish Sussman, produced by Emily Edda Voloshik, with sound editing and mixing from Nina Pollock, and research and planning from Christine Dickison and Hannah Cousins. I endorse She Pivots. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.